Hi there, you are listening to the Apocalypse Pulfcast with the band Lovelight. And these are conversations, audio essays, music clips, etc. It is so good to be with you. My name is Andrew. This is my wife, Jen. Hello. It is good to be with you, as, as we are usually with one another. My best friend, my confidant, my music buddy, my baby bucket. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so... I was talking to Grandpa Grandy. That's uh, Grandpa on my mom's side. He's always curious about if we're working on new original music. So he asked me at one of the family gatherings, what's the new album called? And I said, Grandpa, it's called Apocalypse Hymnal. And my grandpa went, whoa, is it too late to change it? (laughs) Sorry, Grandpa. I was six years old. Church had just let out and the narrow lobby began to fill with people. I stood next to my parents as they engaged in polite Sunday chit-chat. My eyes wandered and fixed on various details in the room, lost in thought in an attempt to ease the boredom of adult conversation. Suddenly I looked up and noticed I was standing alone. My listless gaze quickly turned to hyper-focus and I scanned the crowd looking for a familiar face. My cheeks flushed red with panic and my heart began to race. Where had my parents gone? Unfamiliar adults towered over me and whizzed past me in every direction. Vulnerability shook my entire body. Hot tears blurred the scene before streaming down my face as I looked and called out for my mother. Then, a friendly face crouched down and asked me what was wrong. She leaned in so she could hear my tiny, frightened voice over the boisterous chatter. I can't find my mom and dad, I said quietly. She took my hand and walked with me only about 10 feet before I saw the most beautiful sight I'd ever seen. My mother, walking towards me, relieved and smiling. She thanked the woman for helping me and then hugged me tightly in a joyous reunion. It turned out that in the chaos of the crowd, we had lost sight of each other only for a moment. We were mere feet and seconds apart but that didn't make the fear or the relief any less tangible. I think most of us can say that we've experienced something like that at one time or another in our lives. I personally was lost in a snack aisle at the age of five or six. And uh, I remember turning around thinking that I was close to my folks and because of my proximity to the snack all, I had lost all sense of time and space. <laughs> I relate to that. And I remember beginning to dream up of what I needed to do now that I was on my own, now that I needed to find food, snack aisle, that was the answer to that. But I remember just trying to figure out and to solve my own problem. And luckily, the five seconds that... I was doing that for, which felt like an eternity. My parents quickly grabbed me up and that was, I mean, that was it, you know, but I, I think what, what we want to talk about today is something that is so incredibly heavy and intense and something that probably the most of us that are listening to a podcast don't have to experience the kind of duress that we're going to be communicating about. 
we want to take pause and look at the mass separation of families that took place from April to June 2018 at the U.S.-Mexico border. If you have not followed this story, here it is in a nutshell. The U.S. government began to criminally prosecute every person who attempted to cross the border illegally, a misdemeanor offense. Among those prosecuted were Central American asylum seekers fleeing life-threatening situations in their home countries who came to the U.S. seeking refuge. Part of the prosecution process was to detain and imprison adults and place their children, including babies and toddlers, in detention centers, shelters, or foster homes all across the country. This policy kept families apart for months without providing information on each other's whereabouts or when they might ever be reunited. On June 20th, the policy of separation was reversed, but families already separated remained as such with no end in sight. Later, San Diego Judge Dana Sabra ruled that the government must reunite families by July 26th. That brings us to where we are now. While many of these families have been and are being reunited, a large percentage still remains apart. Some have not been reunited for the safety of the child, but many remain apart due to mere negligence on the part of the U.S. government. For example, over 400 parents have been deported without their children and simply cannot be found. While the government claims that these parents left their children in the U.S. voluntarily, migrant advocates say that in many cases, parents were led to believe that their children would join them, while others did not have a clear understanding of what they were agreeing to due to language barriers or deep distress. It is also being reported that children who have been reunited with their parents are experiencing severe psychological trauma due to the torment of being suddenly and unexpectedly removed from their parents' care. Additionally, 8 out of 10 asylum cases are being denied and migrants are being sent back into extremely dangerous situations. I'm not one to normally follow the news as closely as Andrew does, just I have two kids and my mind is kind of constantly focused on chaos during the day. And so I just started to research and pay attention and follow this story. Over time, my heart continued to break. And just something to, to know about me, I'm, I'm half Mexican. I grew up in a, a completely Hispanic neighborhood. My heart beats for it in a way that I think it can only come from God. If you accumulate mission trips and family community, this is a, a big deal to me. We can see throughout scripture that we are fashioned and created and set on a course in order for our experiences to inform our passions and to inform the way that we are actually to be ministers of the gospel through the heart that God has given us. And I, I remember <clears throat> like just seeing you respond to the news and respond every anytime the story has come on or your phone gives you an alert it really it really kind of shifts your day and shifts your perspective and and I think a lot of us have those things in our lives maybe it's this situation or maybe it's a different situation but whatever it is we have some sort of passion inside of our life that I believe God puts in there and it we have a responsibility to listen to that something that I want to 
make clear is that this is not a political podcast. This is about people. And this is about our passion for Jesus and to see his love and his kingdom rule and reign through us on the earth as it will in heaven. Yeah. (laughs) Good point, right? Isn't that a good point? That is a good point. So growing up in that culture, seeing these images and hearing these stories, I think I felt like it was happening to a piece of my heart. It wasn't just a headline this time. It was a people group that God has given me an absolute bleeding passion for. What you're talking about is empathy. So another thing that had both of us invested in this is the fact that we're parents. I am a mother of two, and I can tell you that the bond between a parent and a child is sacred. It's primitive and it's physical. It begins in the womb. It is God's sovereign design. In my earliest days as a new parent, I quickly discovered the fierce instinct I had to protect my newborn daughter. Even safe, loving family members could feel my stare as they cradled her newborn, fragile frame. Side note, I guess this is a good time to say sorry about that, grandparents. You are all amazing. For a period of time, my daughter developed separation anxiety, and whenever I had to leave her in someone else's care, she would wail helplessly until I returned. I remember the guilt I felt walking away from the sound of her crying voice so that I could lead worship. As soon as I was done, I would rush back to her with urgency and excitement, and only when she was returned to my arms did her tears stop. And if I have ever felt short pangs of unease watching someone I trust whisk away my baby just for an evening, how much more if that person were a stranger in a uniform whisking my children off into the absolute indefinite and unknown. I've looked at the news and seen mothers beg and weep for their children. I have heard the voices of crying babies echo into a crowded jail cell. I have read too many stories of families torn apart in the name of law and order. How then shall we respond when authority rules unjustly, seemingly without consequence? How shall we respond when culture normalizes fury and rage as an acceptable form of communication? We have each reacted in our own way. Some of us have prayed and wept in God's presence for justice. Some have declared that giving consequences to lawbreakers is justice. But let me present you with this overused 90s slogan with total seriousness. What would Jesus do? As a worship band, our aim and vision has always been to bring glory to Jesus with our music and our lives. Today is no different. Today, we will speak for those who have not been given a voice, those who have been dehumanized and terrorized, those who have been created in the image of our precious Savior and bear His name in their DNA. Their cries are heard in heaven at the very throne room of their Creator. Many are brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters of the King, royalty, May our love for those who are different than us be louder than our fear.
may we always remember to take a step back and ask ourselves, what would I do if I walked in their shoes? What would Jesus do? And what am I doing right now? Jesus said this, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Matthew 25, 35-40 And I, I honestly don't know what's next. I don't know what the news will say tomorrow, but I know that Jesus is good and love endures forever. And because of those two truths, we have something to sing about. This amazing Jesus satisfies justice with mercy. So I, um, there was one night that I was just praying. It was actually June 19th I was praying for this situation, for those kids, and I just... I had one of those rare and unique prayer moments where I felt like I was touching heaven. I mean, I was exhausted after this time of prayer because I threw everything I had into it. And I just, I was just picturing when Jesus rose from the dead, he, he walked through walls. And I just asked him, there's just these kids with no idea what's happening. <clears throat> I just imagine the power of Jesus able to break through walls that none of us have the power to do. The only people that even to this day in active detention centers that children are still in right now as we speak, lay people aren't allowed in there. Volunteers aren't allowed in there. Only lawyers and ICE officials are, you know, and the occasional politician, those are the people that are allowed to go into those centers. And even then, a lot of them aren't even allowed to speak to the children. And... I just thought, Jesus, you are bigger than that. You can, you can break through those walls and you can work in ways that we can't see. And the reason I know that it was June 19th was because I woke up the next morning and it was June 20th and Trump had reversed the policy of separation. Yeah, I think like, as uh, as Christians and as believers in the Holy Spirit, and I, I totally think that prayer, it's it's not something that we just do in order to feel better about ourselves, but I think it has actual consequence. I don't know if a single person's prayer can change the heart of of a man, but I know that God has been working in leaders' hearts 
throughout all of history. Uh, I believe that prayer is is a is a deep resource that as Christians, instead of looking at our freaking phones and streaming <laughs> two thousand hours of The Office, and then when it's over, get... I am guilty of that though. Let me let's be yes. honest. <laughs> but you can take a break from The Office for for a little bit and stream heaven. Boom. Boom. <laughs> um. More practically speaking, you can... There's nothing more practical. There's nothing prayer. more practical than prayer. Okay. More tangibly speaking. No, tangible. Nope. Prayer tangible. All right. That's... Okay. Whatever. Logistically um, speaking. Logistically speaking, you can uh, donate to... There's a lot of funds that have been set up that provide legal aid. Um, they pay for travel expenses to reunite families there helping people with their asylum cases, trying to help them find a path to citizenship. Um, One of the organizations that we have felt really confident in donating to is worldrelief.org slash reunite. That's worldrelief.org slash reunite. They have a fund set up that's going specifically to this situation. Other than that, they also help refugees get incorporated into the U.S. It's a great ministry. Be on the lookout for our new album, Apocalypse Hymnal, a.k.a. Love Songs for the End of the World. It is a worshipful response to all of the craziness that is going on in our country, in our world, in our lives, as parents. When it feels like the world falls apart, Jesus is still there. If you would like more information about what you heard in this podcast, check us out at lovelightmusic.com or Instagram account at lovelightmusic. If you enjoyed the music behind the audio essay it is an instrumental song that we've written called separation anxiety and it is available wherever you stream digital music and we hope to see you next time